I had the pleasure of sitting down with Brett Martineau, who is a phenomenal entrepreneur and founder and father and husband and man. And uh, it's so interesting how a lot of the conversations I've had with people recently have sort of gravitated towards parenting, parenting and, and growing up, the process of growing up. It's something that I'm super passionate about and interested in because I think that's one of the main things uh, that is causing problems in our world today is lack of good parenting especially fathers, to be honest. And uh, it has ripple effects throughout society. So very interesting. He talks about how he was like pursuing all of the things that he thought was gonna make him happy, and it didn't. And only after trying all that did he found out where true happiness lies. And he's gonna reveal that in this conversation. So I'm not gonna be spoil that for you. Uh, phenomenal conversation. So really excited to have you uh, be part of this and listen to this with me. Thank you for being here. Let's get into the conversation. We each have our own gift to give and yours is unique. What reality you want to create, that's your choice, always. No one can take that from you. I'm here with Brett Martineau and, um, and we connected a couple of weeks back through Chris Winfield. Um, and I just really, I mean, I really appreciated you, man. Um, we spoke. Thanks. Um, and you, some of the stories you were telling about your family and what you're, how you're thinking about that, where you're working on these days was just fascinating. So I was like, I gotta, I gotta get you on the show and really excited to have you here today and, and hear your story. And thanks uh, man. Excited to be here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tell people like your, your background, where you're coming from and where you're at now. Yeah. So a quick sort of origin story. Um, so born and raised in Arizona, uh, growing up, I was the sixth of 10 kids. And the joke I always tell people, because that's there are not a lot of people that have context of what that means, that the 10 kids, let alone being the sixth of 10 kids. So uh, the joke I always say is this, uh, when you when you have a, your first child uh, and their pacifier falls on the ground, you throw it away and you go buy a brand new one. Um, when you have your second child, the pacifier falls on the ground and you like clean it and sterilize it and boil it and then you can give it back to the child. When the third kid comes around, it falls on the ground. You like wash it off and maybe you brush it off on your shirt and give it back. Fourth child comes around, right? Pacifier falls on the ground, like pick it up yourself, right? I don't know what, what do you want me to do everything for you? And then I was the sixth, right? So you kind of get kind of get an idea of where I sat in uh, in the in the line there. And not to say that my parents were absentee parents at all, because they weren't. They were very much, um, very much involved. Um but I was sort of in the middle. I didn't have to deal with them learning how to be a parent. And I've got kids myself. So there is a phase where you learn how to be a parent. Mm -hmm. um, and I also wasn't there at the end where I was like, oh, it's our last kid. So we can kind of relax and, you know, hook them up more than we hooked up any of the other kids. Uh, so growing up, I was six to 10 kids. Uh, love like my parents are amazing. A couple of the greatest human beings on the face of the planet. And now um, been married for 19 years. I've got five kids. They're 10 to 18. Uh, and we basically have a party at my house all the time is the way that we like to run things. So nice. it's super fun. You limit, you're going to limit it at, at five? Oh, yeah, we're done at five. Um, right. Yeah, we, uh, I, I think the, uh, I think the way you decide how many kids you're going to have is you, you get to a point where you're like, this is the optimum level of chaos. <laughs> like it's enough chaos that it keeps us on our toes. But at the same time, if we went any further, it might break us. So five is... Five, five is pretty good. And, and so that's sort of my joking answer. The more, the more real answer is um, I, I wanted to be able to, like we were intentional about how quickly we had our kids too. My wife said, I want to be done having kids by the time I'm 30. Um, and we did that by about four months. And I wanted to have the kids that were close enough that they could all relate and hang out with each other. And then also I didn't want to sacrifice my oldest's 
you know, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, that, that time period, because we we're still dealing with, with babies. So mm. we wanted to be done, keep it tight. It's like, look, once you have a kid, you signed up for 18 years, unless you're a slacker and a crappy human being, but you've signed up for at least 18 years. So no point in adding time in between that 18 years. We might as well crank those suckers out. So, um, so anyway, we're good at five. You um, seem to be very intentional about things. Uh, I, I, I tend to, yeah. So, I may. I don't think most people make, have kids that way, right? They they don't think that much about it, like clearly about yeah, it. Yeah, and I don't I don't know that you can actually control it that much, but I ours was ours was very intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, at least the the attempt was like, well, we're going to try and crank this out, and that was my logic. Is like, all right, if I got eighteen to twenty years with the first one, and then I wait five years until the second one. Mm-hmm. I'm just stacking another five years on the end. If we're going to start soon, <laughs> let's get this thing done. I want to be like, for me, I'll be 48 and all my kids will be out of my house. Wow. How old are you now? Uh, 40. 40. So in yeah. eight years, the youngest, well, the, uh, the youngest is 10, you said, right? Yeah. Youngest is 10. Yeah. yeah. And you're, have you told them that you're going to kick them out at 18? Oh yeah. We established that. Like, I think he got a little bit sad because he was the youngest. He was like three and we're already established. And like, yeah, there'll be a time when you leave my house and it'll be at 18. My philosophy is if I haven't taught you how to live on your own by the time you're 18, then I failed and you need to go figure it out on your own. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to make it worse by having you hang around in my house uh, and then undermine your own personal growth. So we'll see. We may, we may, we may create some concessions, uh, call it our own little internal stimulus package or something. But generally speaking, and my kids don't know any of this, so they're not allowed to watch this interview at all. Um, but I've been like really hard set on like, no, at 18, like you got a life to go live, go live it. It's not going to be here at this house. So we'll see. Yeah. I had Dan Martell on. Do you know Dan Martell? Uh-huh. Yeah. So he was saying how like his kids like are six right now. And, and he was like, what time, when, at what age are you going to move out of the house? 17. Like they know, they know the answer. Yeah. If you ask any of my kids what time they're officially no longer welcome in the Martino household, it's 18. All right. It's, it goes right in line with my parents also know that at nine o'clock, I don't have to be nice anymore. And I'm still pretty nice, but like at nine o'clock, I get to be a little bit more stern and blunt. Like, no, you should be in your room and away from me. (laughs) Nice. I like it a lot. I think that's a, it's clarity, right? Like clarity is really really helpful as a parent um yeah 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 that so outside of that um i play basketball uh, a bunch um i love playing basketball i'm not a huge fan of watching but i love playing basketball um and then uh from business standpoint i got two businesses that i own uh one of them is it's called six division and we help people uh, take all of the ideas that they have about how to get clients and how to keep clients um, and all the technology that they've signed up for and all of the resources that they're supposed to use. And uh, typically what happens is that gets really overwhelming and people are like, I don't really know what's going on. It starts as like annoying because the ideas don't get implemented the way they want. Then it turns into a little bit of frustration. Then it turns into I'm pissed. And then at some point it's like, forget it. I give up. I quit. I'm going to go get a job. Um, and then we usually talk ourselves off the ledge. But we take those people and say, hey, you bring your ideas and I'll show you how to organize it and implement it at lightning speed and keep it clean so you can actually make progress in your business. So nice. that's what we do at Sixth Division, all designed around the client journey and the client experience. And, and then we're, I've got we're us. here at Simplera, we, we've signed up with you guys and we're having, I think yeah, later this month, we have our, our uh, session with you guys. I'm really excited to see. Um, yeah, pumped to work with you. Yeah, what we're gonna do that. Um, and then I got a software company that helps people do cool things in their client journey. So it's uh, it's called Plus This, um, and basically, if you're using like an Infusionsoft or a Keep or an Active Campaign or a HubSpot, it's got tools that let you do more than what those tools will let you do out of the box. So that's what I do to make money and try and fund all my kids' exploits. So 
<laughs> Neat, man. Oh my god. So, so tell me. So, what is the thing that drives you these days? Like in your when you get up in the morning, what what lights your fire? What's makes you passionate? So, well, so that's an interesting question. Kind of depends on how. Um, so, there's like a core underlying philosophy mm-hmm. that is the driver of everything, and then um, and then there's what are the things that I'm driving towards right now, right? Which are two separate, right. Two separate things. Where do you want me to go first? Start with the first one. Okay, so in my closet, I have a command center in my closet. I took one hanging rod out, and this is like what my my life is all focused around. Uh, it's where I put both of them actually, but at the very very top. Um, it says, I have a quote that is sort of the anchor of my life. It says, um, at some point after I die, I'm going to meet the person that I could have become. Mm-hmm. And I plan to be looking in a mirror. Mm-hmm. So that's like my, my core underlying philosophy yes. is we are on this earth for growth and for expansion and to become absolutely the best version of ourselves, which uh, in some respects, you could simplify it down to just being able to operate and eliminate fear. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like one, that's a core driving motivation for me. I love it. Becoming uh, the person that you're here to become. Becoming the person that I'm here to become. And so it's, well, what's in the way? Is my ego in the way? Do I fear in the way? What is it? Whatever it is, I got to get rid of anything that's in the way of me becoming the person that I could become. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other half of that coin is so that I can serve other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe that you can actually get to true fulfillment or contentment mm-hmm. uh, in any way other than losing yourself in the service of other people, which could mm-hmm. be in business. It could be in your marriage, in your relation, like in your relationship, in your marriage. It could be with your kids. It could be with your neighbors. It could be with your friends, wherever it is. Right. Um, but the only the only source that that doesn't end in terms of its ability to give you peace and happiness and true fulfillment and contentment is when you are actively serving other people. So for me, those are the two this pieces is, together. Is, this is why I resonated with you, man. This is I knew this was this had to be in there. This is beautiful. Yeah. I love it. So it's, it's those two things. It's uh, my job is to become the best version of me so that um, I'll call it God. You call it whatever you want, but so that God can work through me to serve everybody else. That's it. That's like the thesis of life for me is, all right, well, let's go do that then. Boom. Done. Um, all right. So, well, so that was, this is interesting. Bye. This is like, we're done, right? Like the, this is kind of it, right? Mic drop check, moment. We'll wrap it up. <laughs> right. Like what else is there? No, what, what I'm really curious about is like, has that, have you always known that? Was that, did you have to go on a detour? Like what has that process, that journey been like? Um, that's a great question. So I, I believe that uh, life's really, really powerful and important lessons um, cannot be taught. They can only be learned. The reason why I say that in response to your question is, um, was I taught that my entire life growing up? Yes. Mm -hmm. Did I learn it when I was younger? Mm -hmm. No. Um, So, you know, there's and I and I sort of think there's. I come out of like a religious, like I come out of a religious household, I come out of a religious community. And, and to a certain extent, I think anytime you get into any religion uh, or, or anything spiritual or whatever, there's, there's a lot of conversation around how, uh, how you can do things perfectly. And so like, here's what you ought to do. And I, I don't, I think that our screw ups are half of life's lessons, if not more. Right. So yeah. I definitely, I definitely spent not in any like crazy, insane way, but I definitely spent my own time trying to pursue all of the other things that were going to make me happy that were all centered around me. It was like, mm-hmm. no, but you know, and all now the things that I feel you like, thought were going to make you happy, right? Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I feel like now a lot of that gets labeled as self care. 
Um, mm. If you get me in a room and people start talking about how important self-care is, I'll last about 10 minutes from like, okay, hold on, we need to add a qualifier. There's only one reason why we have self-care and it's so that we can serve other people. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing is not self-care. That's called self-indulgement. Like there's a little line that you cross over when it becomes just about you. It's only about you to the extent that you can serve other people. So, and there's a, there's a quote, reminds me of a quote that I, I heard one time and I'm gonna, I'm gonna butcher, but the essence of the quote is, um, life's, the history of man is filled with man's attempt to find happiness and satisfaction in anywhere other than where it actually is, which is basically this idea of serving other people. So I went, and I went down that. You have all the, just all the stupid crap that we do. It's like, oh, that's what I want. Um, and then at some point you've got to get above that um, and get to the point like, no, I can actually really lead and serve people. And that's where the real satisfaction is. And I would say for me, that hit probably two and a half years into sixth division. Um, is about the time that that really clicked like, no, I could actually use this thing as a vehicle to go serve other people. And that's where the real excitement came. And before that, I was looking at it as a vehicle that I could use to serve just me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sort of wanted out of it. Like, I don't even like this thing. This is not what I, when I was growing up, I didn't say I was gonna go run this business. And then I realized, yeah, but dude, you're in a really good spot and you could go make a massive impact and serve people. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just stop being stupid and get over yourself? Nice. And then things got fun. Nice. So there wasn't a, it wasn't, it doesn't sound like there's a, a deep personal crisis and you were like deep out on drugs and like that kind of, yeah, that stuff. But no, it was more no, like, I've never, you kinda, no, if you, if I were to give you like the history of all the things that I say where I went and I tried to find happiness and other things, um, it would be like elementary, like on this, on the scale of like varsity as like hardcore drugs and stuff. Mine would be like maybe pre-kindergarten or something <laughs> like that. Um, but no, so there wasn't anything, there wasn't anything like that. It was more just, uh, I, which, it was more, I think, I think it actually it's a more dangerous one is I was just asleep, mm-hmm. mm. right? Like I was just, I was going through life, but, but I wasn't actually aware of anything. Um, at, at least the person that would get into stuff that's, you know, heavier, deeper, whatever is trying. Like they're proactively and maybe they're aware or not. I don't know. I didn't do that stuff, but, uh, but there's like an attempt to go get it. I was in sort of the mass of the, the middle of the masses of like, I don't even have a clear vision of what I'm doing. I'm just kind of like sleepwalking through life. And so what, like, did you realize that? Hey, wait, I'm asleep here. Like what happened? Um, so no, it wasn't like that happened. And then I had the realization. Here's what it was. So we're in, um, we're running sixth division, me and my business partner. And, um, and I was, uh, like, I didn't, I didn't like it. I was trying to figure out a way to get out of it. I was like, how do we, this is not what I wanted to do. Um, and we were having a conversation. Um, he and I, he's like, dude, I just, I think you're just overthinking this. Uh, he's like, here's the approach that I take. And he quoted from me a thing that Joe Polish has actually trademarked. Uh, it's the ELF concept, um, which is you create a business that's, uh, that's ELF, easy, lucrative, and fun. And essentially what it means is, is, like, is it easy? Meaning, can you be really good at it without mm-hmm. having to spend an, uh, like a ridiculous amount of time and energy on it, number one? And I was like, well, that checks off because I'm really good at what we're doing here. Is it lucrative? Can you make the amount of money that you want to make? I'm like, well, we're making the amount of money you want to make. And is it fun? I'm like, well, I like the people I work with. I like the like my team. I like the clients that we have. So this pretty much checks off everything that I'm looking for. Yet I'm still looking for something else. Like, why am I trying to go find something else? And I'm ignoring the thing that I have. And that was a very, very poignant moment for me. There's like, bro, just why don't you stop and get clear on what it is that you're looking for in your life so that you can then take stock of what you have and see if you already have it. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I, you'll hear it's, me r- rattle off quotes. There's a quote that I love by Robert Heinlein. He says, in the absence of clearly defined goals, 
we become strangely loyal to daily trivia until ultimately we become enslaved by it. And that mm -hmm. is the epitome of where I was. I had no clear direction, no clear, like, this is what I want. All I was doing was walking around saying, I don't want what I have. I'm like, well, right. hold on. It's funny, it reminds me of, of um, some, like, eight years ago when I, when I had, you know, started Simplero. And there was a moment where I was like, I just, I'm, my dream was to have a, you know, a business that was running some, some kind of product, something that was running on its own. And I could spend my time optimizing and, you know, tinkering with it, but I didn't have to like keep, you know, you know, pounding on it to make it move. Right. Like if you were selling your time and you have to sell all that stuff. And then I woke up one day and realized I have that. It's called Sombrero. Like I already did that. It's, like, it's right there in front of me. And, and I was still kind of like wishing for it, longing for it, not realizing it's here. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had, I've, I mean, I probably had to do that cycle. I don't know how many times like you just, you start to drift and, um, and the, the better things go, the more you start to drift and like, Oh, I'm not content with this. Like, well, actually, hold on, wait a minute. Let me go back to what I said that I wanted and what I actually approved that I wanted. Cause just cause we say we want something doesn't mean that we actually want it. Sometimes we got to go get it and be like, Oh, this is not what I wanted. I need to go redirect. Um, but I've, I've been through that cycle a handful of times. Um, just of getting really got to go back and get clear again. Okay. What is it that I want? I, I'm, it never ceases to amaze me how much time and energy it takes to be clear and simple in what you want. Mm. Talk to me about it, that. Like, what is what does that look like for you? Uh, what it looks like is the amount of uh, and and maybe this is maybe this is just me. I just I don't think it is. Especially I think for entrepreneurs, um, we have ideas of all these things that we could be doing that creep up, and like the brain constantly is going, and it takes uh, intentional and diligent effort to be able to put up guards like, yeah, yeah, I know that's an idea, but that's not what you like. You don't need that. You don't want that. It's for me, it's um, I when I look at where most people get hung up and when I hear people talk about the things that they don't want or the things they don't like, um, what tends to be a common uh, issue is that they're uh, they either are not clear. They never gotten clear on what they want or it's drifted. Mm -hmm. And it's like they drifted away from the clarity and the simplicity and they turned it into something that is not clear and is overly complex. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe it takes a I just think it takes a lot of time and energy and dedication to be clear and focused on exactly what you want to go create and then keep that the focus. Right. And is the that reason like why meditating, journaling, like, you know, is that what is the what is the work there? For um, you? I, for me, it's more it's more documentation of what it is that you're working on mm -hmm. and then constantly revisiting it like daily to keep yourself focused on the outcome so that you don't jump to something else. Wait, um, so get get super tactical for me here. Like, do okay, you well, have I'll a go document that we have it? Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, I'll go back to my closet. So I, when I, where I work with entrepreneurs, the very first thing I have them fill out and create is this document. I call it the return. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe that most businesses aren't giving the owners what they want because they haven't filled out this one document. Mm -hmm. And the return walks you through an exercise. And I've got uh, I've got a recording where I teach all this that I could share that goes into it in more detail. But simply, it walks you through an exercise of getting really clear on um, what time do you want this business to give back to you? Mm -hmm. And then um, secondly is what energy do you want it to give back to you? And that's defined in the role that you want to play in the business. And then lastly is uh, how much money do I need to get from this thing in order for it to make sense, right? Value happens when you have both sides in an equation winning. When you start a business, you're on one side, the business is on the other side. Your clients are on the other side. Most people are really clear on how the business wins for their clients, but they are not clear on how the business wins for them, mm -hmm. which means 
without that clarity, they're in this constant state of trying to pursue something that they'll never find because they don't actually know what it looks like. And they might mm -hmm. already have it, like in your case and in my case, like you already have it. Mm -hmm. You just have to get clear and define what it is. So yeah, yeah. there's a document. Can you talk about product market fit and and like what about company owner fit, you know? Yeah, there, yeah it's, it's the other fit. side of the coin that, yes, that's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times when we work with clients, the very first thing we go to is like, hey, what, what are you trying to get out of this? Because you're asking me, should I, should I, should I? Anytime you say, should I do this? Or anytime you're trying to decide, you got to have a set of logic that gives you the answer or set some rules about what the appropriate answer is. And it always is going to be, oh, I don't know, what do you want back from the business? Because if you tell me, like you even, you said yours, yours was, I wanted to build a business that gave me time to just sit here and optimize. So you wanted time mm -hmm. and you wanted your role to be, I'm not involved in all the day-to-day -day details. I want to be able to optimize and I want other people to go run it. And inherently there was going to be some monetary thing in there where it had to make enough money to pay whatever you decided that number was, right? So you're clear on that. And the more you can keep that front and center and the focus, then the more you can keep yourself focused and you can easily, more easily say no to things that would be a distraction. You can say no to yourself when yourself like, rears its head and says like, oh no, you should be going and getting more. It's like, oh, no, I don't actually need to be going and getting more. I got exactly what I want right now. Right, right. So where, how do you how do you know? Is that a gut thing for you? Is it a heart thing? Is it a, where, did, where is it in your body that you know? Like what the return, like what, what the elements want. would be yeah, put in the return? Exactly, exactly. Um, so it's, yeah, okay. I don't think you just, for me, I'll put it this way. My experience is not that it was like, oh, that's what I want. And then what I decided initially as I worked towards it was actually the thing that I wanted. Like it didn't work that way where it's like, oh, I just, I decided in my head and then I went after it. For me, there's a little bit more of an iteration. Like I iterate through the process of, well, I think this is what I want. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna start working towards it. My experience has been that you don't actually know until you start working towards it. Like, oh yeah, no, this is not the right, <laughs> this is not the right thing. I need to tweak it just a little bit or I need to change it this way. Um, and uh, your situation will change. So like, for example, we started Sixth Division and it was 100% one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. We do work with you one-on-one. -on -one. It was basically like an agency model. And that worked fine for where I was. And then all my kids grew up a little bit. Now I've got my kids from 10 to 18 um, and we still have an agency, but I'm not trying to grow more of an agency. Like my life situation has changed. So now what the business needs to provide to me is also adapting. So there's this, there's this timeline of your life that will also influence and impact, um, you know, what it is that you want. So there's, I've got an exercise that I go through around um, deciding um, that is, that helps me decide. I've got it recorded in a video I could share or I could, I could talk through it now. It, it's probably a 10 minute tangent of like my process okay. of deciding. All right, let's not do that. Let's not do the okay. tangent right now. Um, but I appreciate that. Um, I'm actually, so you're, there's a, coaching program component that's is that what's called the lab yeah of your yeah so we'll yep. be a part of that which i'm pretty excited about i'm guessing that's the kind of stuff that you cover in there um that no? yeah basically anything that i have uh anything that i have that i've created i'll give access to people that are in our programs mm -hmm. um that that part of the deciding is more of like a fundamental how to decide anything in your life uh, mm -hmm. but anyway yeah the, the resources are all in there stuff, what, so, yeah. what are some of the like like where how did you learn there's this stuff your parents taught you or have you been like a student of like a tony robbins or like any of those kind of folks what what, what is your path been there um so like, yes, yes. And um, I think my like my superpower, if I were to like dare to describe my Please. own superpower yeah. um, is that I pay attention. Mm -hmm. So I served a mission for my church in Venezuela. 
uh, and I tell this story all the time because this question comes like, hey, how did what did you come up with all this stuff? I'm like, well, um, I, so I served a mission in Venezuela and I took two years of Spanish in high school, but it was high school. So I didn't know anything. So I go down there and a year and a half in, I'm giving a talk in church and somebody comes up afterward and says, hey, so where are you like, where are you from? And they meant, where are you from in Venezuela? Because I'd gotten really, really good at speaking Spanish. Um, and there are lots of other people that went down there from the States that, that didn't get nearly as good. And here was the only difference. Um, when I would ask somebody questions, and so the way Spanish works is if you ask somebody a question, a lot of times their answer will literally be them spitting back to you what you said, but in an answer form. So like most of the structure of the sentence is exactly the same. And then they'll just change one little piece. I would pay attention when I'd ask them a question and then they would give me the answer in a different structure. I'm like, okay, hold on a second. Uh, I'm the white dude from America who doesn't speak Spanish and you speak Spanish as your native language. So if I ask you a question one way and then you answer a slightly different way, I'm the one that's wrong here. Mm -hmm. So I would literally stop conversation. Like I have a question for you, totally independent mm -hmm. of everything else. I just asked this way and you answered back this way. Why was that? So for me, I have like, I'm always looking at, um, if I'm not getting the result that I want, I assume that I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. Because if I was right, I would get the result that I want, number yeah. one. And I'm always paying attention to what people say, but like to the nuances of what people say. So like I've followed Tony Robbins stuff. Um, if I were to pinpoint one that's probably my favorite to follow is Jim Rohn. Mm. Um, followed a mm. ton of his stuff. And then I also like I'm, I'm observant and I draw my own conclusions. Jim Rohn talks about don't be a, don't be a student or don't be a follower, be a student, mm -hmm. which is take it all and then come up with your own ideas. And so I just use my life as like a testing ground for, oh, that's interesting that here's what I'm, I'm saying that this is what I believe and here's how I'm gonna operate, but I'm not actually operating the same way that I'm, like I just pay attention to, right. I just observe and I mean, then come up and I'm very much frameworks sense. and systems. So I observe and try and turn them into systems that yeah, I can Yeah, I can later. tell, I can tell on that, on, on that. yeah. This also, I, ha I had a period in, in 2008 where I was like looking at my life and I was, you know, I don't have any of the results that I want. I think it was actually 2007, not, but never mind. Um, like my life is nowhere how I want it. And so clearly I'm not taking the right actions, which must mean that I'm having some false beliefs, right? Cause that my actions yep. come from my beliefs. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to be in a phase of my life where I'm questioning all of my beliefs. You know, anything's up for grabs. Doesn't matter yep. how committed I feel like I am to it or where it comes from or whatever. It's up for questioning. And, and that was, that was really, really powerful. It just, I, I think it, it did something like a deep change to how I see by beliefs and how I relate to, you know, myself yeah, and my I, own mind. Uh, yeah, I, I went through a similar phase and it's it was extremely powerful. And I don't know what your experience was, but it's also extremely scary because you're like, OK, everything that like provides stability mm -hmm. no longer provides stability while I sort of resort out what it is that I actually believe as I work towards getting the results that I want. Mm -hmm. um, I heard a quote one time that said something like, you can't actually know or really believe something unless you've considered the possibility that it might not be true. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's a lot of power in that because it forces you to go from, oh, I've collected all these quotes and all these ideas and all these theories to, I'm gonna actually go analyze them and then decide what I believe that works for me based on my own actual experience. So, exactly, yeah. yeah. And yeah, it was like, it was like, um, like, I think since then I've never had, like, I talk about beliefs loosely held, right? Like, and I realized like, I don't know which of my beliefs are wrong. And it's still the case that I believe a ton of stuff that's probably wrong or unhelpful, right? I just don't know which ones. 
And so yep. I got to be open to any of them being wrong. Uh, and yet I have to function in life, right? So I can't like, you know, be paralyzed. Yeah, uh, so I, that, I love that phrase. My analogy was always like, you, you got a truth in your hand and you've got to hold on to it tightly, but not too, like not too tightly. Mm -hmm. That's the idea of the loosely held. So I'm like, this is what I know right now. Right. And when I'm comfortable that the purpose of my life is the gist of the discovery of those, and it's not the oh, I had the right answer at the beginning. I just have to hold on to it. It's like, no, it's a discovery as you go through how this applies in all these different situations. And you've got to get comfortable almost like Tarzan and be like, I'm holding on to this. I got to function right now. But like when I get to the end of this, it's the end of this. And now I got to go to another thing and then mm -hmm. to another thing. So it takes, uh, it, it takes, I don't know, it takes courage because that's the hard, that's a hard thing to do. But man, I would never go back to living any other way. Right. Yeah. It's because then you find the freedom is not in the beliefs, right? The freedom is, is in, in, or the certainty, if you will, is just in pure awareness and just being, being like, you don't yep. need to hold on to things to feel yep. safe. Um, yeah. And, and also like I learned to celebrate being wrong, right? Like that where, when I realized, oh my God, I was wrong. Something that happened to me, I got really, um, into, you know, internet marketing and online courses in 2008. And then I kind of got burned out on that world in, in 2010 and stayed out of it. And it wasn't until I think last year, like I was like, oh, paid traffic is for losers. And it's just people who get blah, blah, blah. I had all kinds of, you know, old, old man, grumpy old man kind of beliefs about like the newfangled social media and like, what are all yep. the kids doing with that? Like, all that kind of stuff. Right. I remember the moment like that, that, um, Ryan Dice said something that, that he's just like, Oh my God, you're right. Like, is I forget what it was exactly, but like, you know, like you can go to the, he has this thing he says where you can go to the traffic store and buy traffic and like, whatever. I was like, just like, dude, like if there are customers out there and we can pay for it, like, why the hell wouldn't we do that? Right. Like, right. maybe not rely your entire business on it, but, but you know, what's wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. And it's, I've learned to associate that feeling of being wrong with something positive because now there's new possibilities that open up for me, right? Like before yep. I was like narrow-minded and locked down and like, yeah, it's a little unpleasant to be wrong, but look at what's open available to me now, right? Yeah, so. it's, uh, yeah. I, so I, I think when it comes to learning, I think one, most people don't learn. They're not aware enough or paying attention enough to actually realize that life's gonna try and teach them lessons all day long. That That's back to the being asleep thing, too, mm -hmm. right? And then the other place where we fall apart when it's time to learn, I think, in this in this concept of being wrong, because for me, being wrong, recognizing it and adjusting is learning. Like mm -hmm. that's all learning is. It's like, oh yeah, I could do this better, right? Right. Um, another place where people fall short is that when life gives them lessons and gives them truth, um, rather than letting the truth change them, they change the truth so they don't have to change. Because one of those is going to either you or the truth is going to change, <laughs> right. and you can either let the truth change you or you can bend the truth. I, you, I'll leave it up to you to figure out which one, right. uh, which one is which one is better, but like there's one no, leads it's the only to suffering, way the other leads to like better results and not suffering. Yeah, right? I, yes, yes, yes. And yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, and I heard a, it's funny cause the, they're, they're in the documentary on Michael Jordan, right? The last dance. And, um, I was reading up on it and there was a quote he said, he said, uh, and I screenshotted it on my phone. It'll probably make it into like something on a wall. He said, um, I'm not a, he's like, I don't want to fail, but I'm not afraid to. Mm-hmm. And I look at failure in the same concept of learning. And I love the approach like, yeah, I don't want to, but there's no fear in it for me. Because as soon as you recognize that getting something wrong, learning and getting it right is just like the learning process, all of a sudden there's no, you have no need to be afraid 
of failure or being wrong. And I think there are too many people that are like, no, I've got to protect my identity that I've created around what this is true. And as soon as this is not true, I have no identity. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, that's... Welcome yeah, to freedom, not, right? Yeah, Hello, exactly. right? Yes. Yeah. I changed yes, my name. Yes. I changed my, my legal name, like all of it entirely. That was a mind fuck, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like... Wait, who am I? All right, I get to fuck. I get to choose every morning I wake up. I get to choose who I am. It's pretty cool. Yep, yep, yep. Um, yep. Yeah. So what? What's? What are you really? What are you? You know, excited about? Passionate about? Right now? What are you? What are you working? What are you learning? Where are you growing? Yeah. Um, so. I'm, the reason why I'm looking up is because I'm imagining my closet. Because remember, this is where everything is for me. So I look at it every I single day. I want to see that closet, dude. Um, I'll, uh, it, so it's not fancy. It's just some pieces of paper up. But I'll, I can get right, you right. a picture of it. <laughs> I'm um, having, I have a mental picture here. Right? <laughs> um, so for me, what I'm excited about is that uh, right now, my entire family is in lockdown in my house. Uh-huh. And my two, so I have two daughters, they're 18 and 15. And then I've got three sons that are 14, 13, and whatever, a couple of days, and then 10. Um, And my two daughters dance competitively. So Mm -hmm. for anyone that's listening that understands competitive dance, it means they're never around because they're dancing every night of the week and then at competitions like every other weekend, like it's a crazy schedule. And then my oldest daughter is on, she's going to LA to dance um, once she graduates. And, uh, and so for us to have an extended, um, you know, we're going on six weeks now or whatever, and however long it ends up being an extended amount of time where all of my kids, like life just said, pause, and I've got 10 to 18 year olds and they're all kicking the house and they get along really well. So we're like, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to influence each of my kids individually, but then also for them to build the relationship. So, Mm -hmm. um, when the whole thing hit. I have like a series of questions that I went through. And one of them was what are like, what's my own personal priorities and who am I responsible to? Um, so the thing that I'm most excited about right now and that I'm doing my best to to corral my entrepreneurial brain and and focus it where I want it to be is on my kids mm-hmm. and their relationships with each other. And then also my relationship and my uh, oversight or leadership with each one of them individually. So that's number one uh, that I'm really excited about is that opportunity. How is that? How, how does that? Um, how do you grow in that process? What are you seeing? Um, what I'm seeing is that, uh, it's really easy for me to talk about that and to create a structure that I can kind of show up. This is the battle that I fight. So we've created a family schedule, uh, for this so that we know where we're going to be. Um, and I've got certain times to be home and it's family stuff. And what's really easy for me to do is to let my entrepreneurial mind drift while we're hanging out together as a family. Mm -hmm. And so the discipline and the growth for me is, um, I know 100% for a fact that when I die, I will not look back and be proud of what I created in my business over this time period. Mm -hmm. I know that to be a true statement. It doesn't make it any easier for me in this time to put down my brain Mm -hmm. for all the entrepreneurial things that I'm working on and actually have it focus on uh, my kids. So the growth is in is in the actual doing of the thing that I said that I want to do. Right. Um, The presence, right? that's That's the growth. Right. That I, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, being present in that moment and not letting all the, yeah, the, the business stuff distract you. It's, it's, it's fascinating, right? Cause like being an entrepreneur, it's, it's so much fun and we're, we're solving problems and challenges. It's, it's kind of, it's like, it's engaging, right. In like a game kind of way. And it's, so it's, it's very compelling. Whenever I go work out, my, 
w- you know, wife and I, we, we exercise together in the living room these days, right? And, yeah. and uh, she always jokes about me because I'm always like, like, I'm like, and I was like, pull up, like, make notes and you know, pull up my phone and send messages to people and stuff. Cause, like, just, I get so many great ideas there, right? Which is not, you know, there's a practice for me in being like really present and focused in my body and just being in that exercise in that moment, right? Which I'm not, not very great at. But on the other hand, the ideas are amazing. Yep. So. yep. Yeah, I have. I don't know how many times, uh, usually, sometimes multiple times a night. It's like, where are you going? I'm like, I got to write an idea down. Like, as we're going to bed, I'm like, I got to go write this down. Uh, I might be up a little bit because, like, they like to hit at that time, which those ones I'm, I'm more okay with. It's the, it's the like, like at lunchtime every day, I go home and from 1130 to one, we've got a scripture reading conversation, spiritual conversation. We've got, um, like, we play a game, we'll watch a show, we'll just kick it for like an hour and 15 minutes mm-hmm. or whatever. And it's in those moments, it's really easy. Like, okay, we're done. We ate. Um, we've been here for like a half an hour or whatever. And I, it's easy for me to just let the kids go off to their own things i'm like oh i guess i'll just go back to work because i just let everybody leave it's like no there's it's, it's so it's holding myself account like nope come right. we're gonna have a game or we're gonna do whatever or, you know right. like it's it's creating that time um so that's that's the growth that's the that's the the pull and i think um i think living in the tension of of both of those is actually the ideal spot because it's it's not really going all one way or the other it's living in the tension of um, yeah, I'm going to be present here, and then I'm also going to go create a bunch of value over here. But I'm not going to let the. I think the most dangerous thing for me is what can creep in subconsciously is yeah, I'm solving problems and I've got a cool business and people like it. That's all ego, right? It's like yeah, and then people know who I am and they know that I've got a cool business and they know that people like it, and that's all about me. And I can use that as like yeah, but I'm doing this good thing for other people, and I just have to remind myself that yeah, but at the end of the day, when I look at my list of priorities and who I have responsibilities to. Uh, it starts with God and then it goes to my wife and then it goes to my kids and then it goes to my business partners and then it goes to my team. And then I get down to this thing called clients, like the ones that are actually paying me. Mm-hmm. And then I get down to people who are able and willing to pay me. And then I get down to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And the irony is the thing that like draws me and wants to distract me is like, oh, but I could go create all this content for all of these leads. I'm like, yeah, but I got seven or eight people mm-hmm. that I got to get through first before right. they actually ought to deserve any of my time. So. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. I love also how you you said in that whole hierarchy, it's all people, right? It's not like the business or or something like that. Because I mean, that's, right. that's all it is, right? Yeah. All, is. All, all we have is when, we, when I look at my impact in the world, I only have one sort of impact I can make and it's called on people. Like I just have relationships. Mm-hmm. that I can go improve. And then all like I have relationships I can work on and create better results in that I have myself that I can improve to be a better part of that relationship. That's mm-hmm. sort of all there is to actually deal with yeah. in life. I like it. Yes, all right, man. Yes. Um, really appreciate you. This is uh, super enlightening. I want to, I want to see your closet one day. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> is there clothes I'm, I'm in sure there? What kind of closet are we talking about? Can there you are, sit in there? There are, it's, yeah, so my, like my wife has the big closet in the house. I got the little teeny one and there's clothes that hang over here. And I'm, mm. look, this is what I wear. I mean, not the same shirt, but it's the <laughs> same one, but not the same one, right? And then I'm just like, find me a pair of jeans that fit, buy me six pair of those or whatever. So those hang over here, shoes and whatever stuff goes over on the left side. And then there was a hanging thing in the middle. I just took out the hanging thing and I've got this command center where I can put what I'm working on, what I'm focused on. And that's what I used to keep myself focused and on track. Is it a whiteboard? Is it like... 
paper that you uh, put no, up a new one? No, it may become, no, it literally is eight and a half by 11 pieces of paper that mm. I've printed off and just taped up on the wall. And so mm. I've got my quote that I mentioned before, and then I've got the definition of dollar, which is my, my method or my formula for how to get to what I want. Those are at the very top. And then underneath it are the buckets of where I spend what, my time. What is dollar? Uh, so dollar is my formula for how to get anything that you want in life. Uh, it's D stands for decide. A stands for act, L stands for learn, R stands for repeat. And when you decide, decide to start simple. When you act, act with violent imperfection. When you learn, learn without ego. And then when you repeat, repeat as fast as you can. All right, you like frameworks, dude. You're good at this stuff. I, I do, because I'm I'm too like scatterbrained. But mm. like, I, like I gotta have frameworks be like, oh yeah, no, what am I supposed to do here? Cool, I already came up with the framework. I'm gonna go do this <laughs> to keep myself focused so I have as much extra time left over, so. So anyway, I've got that in my got that in my closet. Those two frameworks up top, and then down below is where am I creating an outside impact, and then below that uh, is what am I focused on to help grow myself to be able to create that impact. And I've been tweaking around with some formats, so by the time I send you a picture, it might have changed slightly. But that's the basic idea. Got it. Sweet man, how long have you been doing that? Um, I've had it up for probably uh, it's probably been a year, a year and a half. Like mm-hmm. I've been trying to track it. Um, I've been tracking those different things and chewing on that forever. I mean, mm-hmm. since I woke up, whatever, two and a half years in the sixth division. Um, but it wasn't until about a year and a half or so ago that I was like, you know what I need? I need this to be staring me in the face. Where will I see it every single day? And every single day without fail, I go into my closet. And so I'm like, I'm going to put it right here. I'm going to print it up. Um, I would. It will be a dry erase board. The problem is, is that the hanging section is... This dry erase board behind me, it's like uh, four inches too short. So I've got to do some wall work before I can put a dry erase board up in there or get a smaller one. But I just like this size. So we'll get it there. All right. We'll get it there. Cool, man. All right. So uh, final two questions. Yep. Number one is where can people find you, follow you, engage with you? Um, so, yeah, on the social medias, if you want to go there, Instagram, it's just Brad Martineau. Uh, no spaces or anything fancy. Uh, I'm on Facebook. Um, those are the two places that if you want to follow or interact that I'm most likely to see stuff. Um, I'm sort of on the other ones, but not really. Um, and then uh, you could also go to sixdivision.com and that's just spelled out S-I-X-T-H division.com. Uh, we got some resources there. Uh, or you could email me. It's brad at division, also spelled out, no numbers. So S-I-X-T-H, email me. That's fine as well. Um, yeah, any of those places would be great. All right, phenomenal. Thank you. We'll have the links up too. And um, what what's one phrase, one thing that you want to leave people with? Oh man, that's a great question. Um, I'm I'm uh, I feel like I would be. Um, uh, it's got to be this. So here's what it is. I believe, it's, well, we already talked about it, but I'm just going to repeat yeah. it and we'll wrap up with this. Yeah. I believe that there's only one way for you to get what you actually want. I believe every human being is wired to be fulfilled and to be content. They're looking for peace. They're looking for happiness, not entertainment, happiness. They're looking for fulfillment and contentment. It only comes in the sacrifice of yourself for other people. And by the sacrifice, the irony is, I mean the sacrifice of creating yourself to be the best version of yourself so that you can go help and serve other people. And I believe that the methodology and the way to get there as fast as possible is decide, 
and then take action and then learn like we talked about. Don't try and bend the truth to protect yourself. Let it change you. And then just repeat that cycle like daily. You do that, you will become a better version of yourself. You become a better version of yourself. It's always to serve other people. And as you do that, no matter really, no matter what happens in your business or income or whatever, that's when you can your your head can hit the pillow at night. You can go to sleep and you can be like, I did it. Like I'm accomplishing what I want to, regardless of whatever the other scoreboards might be out there. Beautiful, man. I really, I really like it. Um, dude, your, your kids are so lucky to have you as a father. Your wife is lucky to have you as a husband. Your team is lucky to have you as a leader, your clients. I mean, this is, um, yeah. Thank you, man. This is, uh, no, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. This has been awesome. I really, I really appreciate you. I really appreciate you. Um, everything you shared here. Um, Sweet. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. This was fun. Touch me. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, everyone listening. Thank you for listening to the podcast episode. After 20 years as a serial entrepreneur, it's my passion to bring you ideas and insights from some of the best entrepreneurs, leaders, and thinkers in the world straight to your phone. We're going to be launching many, many more podcast episodes in the future. So please subscribe and leave a five-star review if you found any value at all from today's conversation. Your reviews and feedback mean the world to me.